Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast live. This is the show where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. And we're doing a live stream special. So we're going to explain what this is, the story club, the game that we're going to be talking about. But for now, my name is Nigel and I'm your co-host. I am Tazzy. I'm a content creator and co-host. Like I mentioned, this is a live stream special called Story Club. So we started this last year and the plan is that every so often we will come together to discuss a story live. We'll do a deep dive on either a comic or manga or a video game story. So over the next hour, we're going to break down things such as narrative and world building, characters and themes as well. Uh, So we do a non-live podcast as well. So you can check that out. We'll be dropping links uh, as we go. Um, our podcast is on Apple Podcasts, it's on Spotify, like wherever you get your podcast from. So you can follow us and subscribe. You can also send your feedback uh, if you're here live in chat or uh, listening to this later uh, on your podcast feed. Send your questions, feedback to feedback at myamada.com. Uh, throw them at us on social media. We are at myamada on Twitter at my Matter TV on Instagram and TikTok, and at Tazzy on everything. So thank you everyone for joining us today for this live, live podcast. <laughs> God, what it's called then. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so each month we like to ask our community a question in our gamepad poll and February's February's gamepad poll is live and we are asking is microsoft's acquisition of activision blizzard good for gaming um so let us know your thoughts on that uh have a vote on our poll and you can also discuss it in our discord um we have our spring gamepad online event coming up on saturday the 9th of april the tickets are available now they're free we're going to have game streaming, interview panels, and team spots are open. Uh, if you would like to take part in the Friendly Fire competition, there is a chance to win some cool prizes. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitch and subscribe to the podcast. We're in uh, at the start of season four, um, and today's episode is a uh, live special. And next week is our first video game roundtable of the year. So let's meet our guest for today and deep dive into Psychonauts 2. Sachin, welcome. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm like trying to see around this big microphone I have in front of my monitor. And so I'm like, where's the mute button? Where's the mute button? Hi. Hi. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm really glad to be here and uh, discuss uh, Psychonauts, which I've been a fan of for many years. I have got the original on ps2 so i'm an og psychonauts fan yeah that is impressive i did have the discs i had it on pc and i can't find the disc they used to be my drawer just here uh, and they're not there which is worrying um but i was also playing the original uh, around the time it came out and really enjoyed it but um yeah looking forward to this as well i had it on pc my pc couldn't run it uh, i had that sort of pc without a graphics card uh but yeah oh wow 
I know you were looking for your copy, but like it was so easy to find mine because I have a shelf of basically the best games, as in like all the rest don't go on that shelf, and that <laughs> belongs on that shelf. So yeah. that's that's how highly I regard it. That's yeah. That's actually I should have done that. <laughs> you need a best game shelf. <laughs> that's a good Make idea. All the other games feel bad. I know, right? <laughs> it's just just blatant favoritism. Uh, <laughs> My shelf just has all the games on. Yeah, it's a <laughs> favorite. So. <laughs> uh, I could see that. Uh, I could definitely see that. Um, so, Sachin, you know, I just realized that like, you've never actually been on the podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me, though. Finally. Uh, yeah. So this is a first podcast appearance. Sachin has been on other live streams we've done uh gaming live streams talking about mental health and video games uh, and you were part of our campaign live stream which we will definitely be mentioning uh, over this next hour so what we're going to do like i said we're going to talk about different aspects of uh, the game um which both tazzy and Sachin were kind enough to have finished <laughs> uh, before uh, we talk started talking <laughs> Me literally just before, like <laughs> the second before hit and go live. <laughs> I watched it happen. We all watched that happen. Um, so we're going to talk about different aspects of the game. We'll get into, I guess we'll get into some spoilers and then, yeah, we'll see where that goes. And then we'll kind of, yeah, let you know our thoughts, different aspects. Like I said, the characters, the art. Uh, and definitely the themes, because this is a game that has strong themes. But first... Let me just do a quick recap of the story so people know the context of everything. So the game is about a character called Vesputin Aquato, who is a trained acrobat and powerful young psychic. He has realized his lifelong dream of joining the international psychic espionage organization known as the Psychonauts. But these psychic power super spies are in trouble. Their leader hasn't been the same since he was kidnapped. And what's worse, there's a mole hiding in headquarters. Uh, Raz must use his powers to stop the mole before they execute their secret plan to bring the murderous psychic villain, Maligula, back from the dead. I'm pretty much so early in the game that I've I've got all of that. <laughs> and now I'm like still looking for this, uh, this spy. Which... So uh, the game was developed by Double Fine Productions, published by Xbox Game Studios, which I believe was like, not always the case at the beginning of production and then it got picked up and given sort of uh, the funding that comes with being uh, an xbox game studios games written and directed by tim schaefer and art by lisette Tietra montgomery i hope i'm pronouncing that right scott campbell nathan stapley peter chan and emily johnstone so i think we should start with the art in this game just because it's such a visually distinct aspect of the game and it's a distinct art style that also fits with the with the themes so i wonder like tazzy i think as we were sort of preparing uh, this over the sort of past weeks you mentioned like the art style what did you first think of the art for this game like when you first um first came across it first thoughts yeah okay i have to like roll back <laughs> <laughs> And the reason I, I wanted to ask you in particular, because you've not played the original game, right? No, I did. This is my yeah. this is my introduction into Psychonauts. I did I don't know if I lingered on it too much at the beginning, because it does kind of like put you right into 
the action. But I think some of the, like, the designs of things and what they represent is really cool. I feel like it's really hard to talk about the art style without talking about, like, the whole game because it's (laughs) so, like, so intrinsically linked to everything about the game. So, like, the... um, figments of imagination and how they're like sort of like neon light-esque like i don't know light drawings i don't know what to call them (laughs) 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 Um, and how they just like bounce around and then just how everything kind of there's just little bits like the the when you go into I'm going to have to remember all the powers like I wasn't just playing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When you use clairvoyance, is it clairvoyance? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then they're like, you see yourself as like this little paper cutout. (laughs) I love it so much. This game just makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's just so easy. And it's like, like all the different, okay, there's so many things. My brain's like, say this, say this, say (laughs) this. I'll I tell you what, actually, what I feel, because you made a good point about the art style being so linked to the game itself. Uh, so I feel, um, I've got my notes here, but I'm going to bump up the gamey talk part uh, here so we can talk about what the game is. So, Sachin, you uh, have the original game. Um, I'm going to put you as the expert uh, on all things Psychonauts. So do you want to just tell us like what this game, what this game is about? What do you do? The entire series, uh, you play as Raz in both. And it's actually really interesting because you mentioned the art style. Tazzy, you didn't get to see this amazing transition because if you play Psychonauts 2, it's PlayStation 2 era. So it looked great for its time. It's aged a bit. And there's been like a 15-year gap between the two games. But the story takes place a day after. Yeah. So it's like the next day, suddenly everyone's had a glow up. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just, yeah. Everyone had that beauty sleep. But yeah, so you play as the same person in both games, Raz. And so like the main sort of conceit of the game is that like there is some adventuring in the real world, but like a lot of the adventuring goes on inside people's heads. And so Raz has the ability to like stick a little door on someone's head and then enter it and explore their mind. And so whatever's going on in their mind has environmental implications for what you're doing as you explore. So I think like a great and early example would be the character of Bull, uh, I forget, Compton Bull, and how he's like struggling with feeling judged and feeling like everyone's critical of him. He's a very anxious guy. And that plays out as you're in a live cooking competition. And there's an audience and there's judges who are like, you know, eating whatever you make for the competition. And they're very, very um, sort of like, oh, what's, what's our what's what's our British chef's name? Uh, who's very critical oh, Gordon and all the time. Gordon Ramsay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's got that vibe to it of like, that's what the world feels like to him. And the judges also are quite similar to people in his life. So you can see like, oh, who he thinks is judgeful of him. And then I'd describe that judging yeah. panel as like if the if there was like X Factor, but for chefs, there probably is a program like that. I just yeah, haven't watched yeah, it. Sure. And the judges yeah, are, judges are like Gordon Ramsay, Jamie Oliver, and I don't know, Nigella or something. <laughs> 
And they're like the three judges, but it's like X Factor style. But it's so bright and colorful and all the audience are fruit and vegetables and eggs and they all have like these, they're like, they're like 3D, but also then their faces are a bit more drawn on. And it's just got this very sort of artistic vibe to it where every level has this sort of unique artistic bent. Like you later on go into Cassiopeia's level and she's uh, made up of like paper. And so it's like a very flat character models existing in 2D. There's lots of cool stuff going on. And then the whole game itself. It reminds me of that, like, Psychonauts 2, obviously, like you say that Microsoft bought the studio and so it's clearly got a lot of money behind it. It looks like a Pixar film a lot of the time. Just so shiny and so beautifully animated. But really, it reminds me of, I don't know if either of you have watched Coraline, the film. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got this real Coraline feel to it where, like, everyone looks like they've got, like, this cloth-like texture to them. It's really nice. Mm. Yeah, because that was my first thought, I think, when I first played the first uh, game in terms of, like, everyone looks weird. <laughs> it's um, so, like, the character, like, the levels was, like, taking place in people's minds that gives, like, license to go, like, really creative with the level design. But it's, like, the characters themselves all look like some kind of dream figment <laughs> because they don't look like real humans, even though they are, um, which I like. It reminds me of... I don't know why, because they're not monsters, but it reminds me of the Nickelodeon show, Real Monsters, or Aha, Real Monsters, where all the characters are just oddly shaped, um, mm. depending on their uh, their characteristics, their personality. But it, it does add to it does add to the game. They're like dolls, like yeah. rag dolls. Yeah, yeah, real Coraline feel. Uh, you, you can imagine like they've been. And in fact, there's uh, there's moments where Raz is shown being puppeted. And it yeah. just makes so much sense because they look like puppets. There's quite a few like puppet things because I think the she the chefs in that in that bit are actually hand puppets as well. So there is quite a few like puppet sort of maybe that's what they're dropping in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really smart though because like you you think again about the PS2 version and you say like you know they all looked a bit strange and that is a bit of a worry. Like how is this going to transition into 4k and how is it going to transition right. into like super detailed shiny and they've really done a great job of it like this is clearly what they've been like dreaming of the whole time yeah yeah and it kind of it it makes the case that you don't always need the the quote-unquote best graphics to make a good game i think a lot of the time you know when we're in this like new generation and every time there's new consoles and things and uh, there's always a discussion about how good the the games look and uh, many games do look really good like pushing the extent of like the consoles or uh, or your PC, but the the stylistic approach for this game not only fits like the themes which we'll uh, we'll we'll touch on, but also it just makes it stand out. So it's like it's a game you will you will know like this. I don't think I can think of another game that looks like Psychonauts. It like it makes it stand out. I think that in itself, especially with the amount of games out today, is just an impressive thing in itself. But I would say, like, it does have the best graphics. It's like, it's just AAA. It's, I mean, I get it. It's not photorealistic, like, in that yeah. way. But the animation is just so slick. And there's so many scenes with, like, amazing transitions where... Mm -hmm. You think about, like, Pixar. Uh, this is why I don't think it looks like a Pixar film. Because Pixar sort of say, like, we're never going to film a scene which would be impossible to film in real life. But Psychonauts right. does that all yeah, the time. Yeah, okay. like, you're, like you're looking at a scene and suddenly the scene is actually inside a book which is closing. Yeah. Or Raz has got a coin and he puts the coin down where it belongs. Like the scene has already transitioned. So you don't have to backtrack. 
and it's just like slick, slick, slick. And it, and actually, that's another part of the game I love. It's just like once you do one backtrack, the game's like, yeah, we we know you know how to get back. We're not gonna make you do that again. So once you've done what you need to do, you're right back where you need to be. Like the game has this yeah. film quality to it, it in it that way. It flows. Yeah, I did notice that actually. It doesn't make you retrace your steps. Well, I mean, the the way the game's structured, you you do retrace the same areas, but in terms of once you've completed an objective, it just all right, the next part just puts you back uh, where you need to be to go to the next part, which is I'm thankful for. Yeah, there's no like time wasted on like trying to get to where you're like trying to find where your next objective is, kind of thing. Apart from in certain spot bits of the game where it's relevant, but when you're sort of in like a main story sequence of the game, it just flows nicely. And Sachin, so I don't even think we mentioned, but Sachin from the gaming mental health charity Gaming the Mind. I also wanted to like ask you, like with the with this particular art style and the subject matter around mental health that this game goes into. Do you think that the art style also makes it easier to discuss some of these topics or makes it more approachable? Yeah, I mean, it depends who the audience is. Like, because I think like a lot of people will look at this and think it's a kid's game, but it does deal with some heavy topics. Maybe not directly, but there's there's this like undercurrent of just like trauma and even some like alcoholism, that kind of thing, which, you know, you're not going to sort of associate with a kid's game i think like uh, it's probably suitable for any age so long as you know you're sort of careful about it if kids want to play it then parents should discuss it with them as they're playing that kind of thing yeah but yeah i think you know games that discuss mental health they 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 they, they vary in terms of like how gravely they they take that subject and so psychonauts is clearly geared towards being fun first like there's even some concepts in there where you think like, okay, I get that they've sort of tried to make a representation of a mental concept in this game, but their priority is to make it fun. You're not going to sort of try to be completely psychologically accurate or completely like biologically accurate about the brain when there's probably a more fun thing to look at with that. And mm. So, yeah, I think I think it makes these kind of topics more accessible because there are some games which handle the topic really well, but people are just going to steer away from because it's not fun. I don't think games have to be fun, but if you make a game fun, you're probably going to, you know, attract more people with honey than with vinegar. I think you're right on like, it depends who it is, because I like I'm quite an abstract person. So like an abstract concept to explain something works really well for me, like metaphors and anything that you can kind of like, this is how it is. I can sort of like understand that really easily. Whereas like other people need that sort of more realistic, like a real explanation to understand something. So yeah. And and I've, and I've sort of like criticized some games because I think like we've had a loads of games over the past few years now where it's like oh and the monster was depression all along that kind of thing and it's like okay but is this telling you what it's really like to live with depression like you know the fact that you know you don't go out as much that is difficult to get a job that you're not eating that you're not sleeping that kind of thing you know the realities of life with depression as opposed to you know trying to show it metaphorically as a big dark monster sort of it's a cloud hanging over your head that kind of thing both approaches work 
you know, and some people do relate more to the metaphor side of it. But yeah, that's why I think Psychonauts takes that approach really well. And I, I think it's really encouraging to see because, you know, part of what we do as Gaming the Mind is try to raise mental health awareness through a gaming lens. So we just introduced a, a social anxiety booklet, which explains social anxiety. And one of the pictures we have is like a controller with the buttons. And it says like, you know, it seems like all the buttons you press do things which aren't helpful, like X is hide, circle is keep busy and stay away from people. Um, what am I down to? X circle, triangle is drink alcohol, that kind of thing. And so like, but there's no button for just enjoy yourself, that kind of thing. And so people sort of think, oh, okay, I'm out of options. I get it. You know, that kind of deal. You mentioned like monsters and I think we should go into that because I think the monsters in this game are so interesting and the way it gradually introduces you to like a new monster that represents like a different kind of thought in your head that people have. Yeah, I personally really, really enjoyed anxiety as a monster. I thought it was just like a really cool kind of way to create a monster out of anxiety like this constantly moving fast thing <laughs> that was really abstract like it didn't it had like the least one of the least forms out of is that a one that was too fast to um, yeah yeah do you say that it's too fast i can't get it yeah i think that's where i got to actually yes. okay yeah and yeah, yeah. to use the time bubble to sort of slow things down yeah just slow it down and like get a handle on it like that that's such a great gameplay metaphor for dealing with that kind of thing and again so like not only have you got the visual metaphor of like oh it looks like this and that kind of thing but also the way you're engaging with it because it's a game after all so they're yeah. using their, they're using their gameplay as well to show like you know the best way to deal with a panic attack for example and raz says this at some point as well i think he says it to bull not in that level but it's like you know do, do you know uh once you're feeling overwhelmed you know you just need to take a break so shall we just take a breather for a little while and that kind of things it is sort of borne out in the gameplay in that one as well so it's really cool how they do that yeah it's really impressive just how uh, and this is like the, the the power that games have because like any story can discuss certain topics and you know explain different subject areas but with games because you're playing it there's always that element of agency so you're doing the thing and with this game it ties so well so from what i have played so far and, and knowing the first game as well it just the mechanics tie so well to the the subject and get you to to think about it so even in like the the first the initial uh levels i really liked as uh, uh hollis when going into her mind and seeing the, the change after <laughs> Raz messes stuff up, um, seeing the changes from like orderly to Vegas Casino and how that's represented <laughs> in terms of like the, the slot machines or the different games that he has to play. And yeah, just the mechanics are tied like so well. So, and I had a quirk. So I wanted to uh, bring up this quote from Josh, Josh Render at uh, CBR. Uh, mentions that Double Fine even took the time to bring in mental health experts to review the game to ensure the final product wouldn't cause undue mental strain or perpetuate harmful stigmas around mental health. And it's that last bit in particular, and uh, I don't know what your thoughts on this are, Sachin, is that sometimes in, in stories, not just game, but games, but like you say, sort of mental health is depicted in a way that 
is not necessarily either one representative representative of like how it is to go through these these things or two puts it as like um almost like a failing on the character or like just like to say perpetuate sort of the the stigma of it but do you feel that this game handles that in the right way i mean as i was playing it um there, there was some bits which like made me think oh how did that how did that you know slip under the radar sort of deal like um i think that there's some language in there i would have maybe tightened up like um someone gets called a psycho at some point which i'm not fond of as a as a label even though the game's called psychonauts but that's cool yes. uh, but i don't know this gets into a bit of spoiler territory but i mean we know that the 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 main villain is maligula we won't get into what she's all about but and it's partly for my benefit because I didn't <laughs> kill all the way to it. So, <laughs> so thank you. There is this aspect that Maligula is like a mass killer. And the reason she's a mass killer is because she's not mentally completely well. Or maybe not psychologically well, let's say. And so, again, there's this trope of someone whose, you know, mind isn't, you know, or needs correcting in some way, which they do. And they're violent because of it. And that's, again, something that maybe want right. to move away from. But then there's, you know, there's a lot of progress made with Psychonauts 2 from the first game. And I think, like, as you mentioned, Nigel, like, uh, you know, the big thing in Psychonauts 2 is that everyone seems to be going through something. And it's not their failing. It's something that happened to them. And there was this big event in Psychonauts 2 where they've all sort of suffered a major loss and they're all dealing with it in their own particular ways. And it's that trauma that has, you know, sort of given them their anxieties and their worthlessness or their search for meaning, all these kind of problems that it's instilled in all of them. But it's not because, you know, they're not strong enough or they can't deal with it. It's because, you know, trauma does that to you. And it's always underpinning this. Like, as you're trying to help them, you see what has happened to them to make them that way. And basically, like, it's not a huge spoiler, but basically they've all undergone this massive loss in this big fight that they had years and years ago that has really done a number on all of them. And the other real progressive thing that they've done is in Psychonauts 1, you would treat people without their consent, basically. <laughs> there's, a, there's like a, a literal asylum in Psychonauts 1 where there's people with mental illnesses and you just force, you know, force your way into their heads and you treat them. In this one, as you mentioned, he goes into Hollis's head, messes her mind up, and gets told off for it afterwards. And from then on, never goes into someone's head without permission, really. Yeah, yeah. They make it a point, don't they? That it's um, because they make like they really make it a point that it's really important to ask first, which is quite nice, and that that point kind of carries on throughout the whole of it, right up, like right through the whole game. Uh, there's always a joke around how <laughs> how Raz asks for permission as well. It's always like relevant to the character and their situation, and I think that's so well done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have a few quotes about the consent. But like, because Hollis tells him, and this I like this because this is the change of Psychonauts' um, attitude. And Schaefer spoke about this. He said, you know, that they're trying to be a bit more caring in this one. And Hollis says, "We're not here to fix people. We're here to help." people fight their own demons which which you know uh i don't want to get like too much in as a psychiatrist but like you know there's a lot about in psychiatry that you're working with someone you're not doing something to someone not always true which is why i don't want to get too much into it because sometimes we do have to you know 
exert force, but which, you know, is always ethically a difficult thing to do. But by and large, if you go and see a psychiatrist, it's meant to be a partnership. And in so to give like context to that, because I think, well, one is is fairly early in the game, I know, because I, I, I got through it. Um, and it sets up so much of like the way Raz and I guess by extension, the player thinks about that, because the point in the story is where so Raz thinking he's like in the psychonauts and then he's then given the intern badge. <laughs> so they all get to headquarters and he's like, yeah, I'm in. Uh, and I think is it Hollis actually he goes to him and he's like, you're an intern now come to the class. He's like, wait, I thought I was, I was in. So yeah. I think the, then the first sort of big mission that everyone gets to, or the main psychonauts get to go to while the interns stay behind. Uh, and Raz in his, uh, lack of wisdom wants to change Hollis's mind. So Hollis is not quite a disciplinarian, but a orderly kind of strict character. He's very risk averse, basically. Risk averse. Like yes. Risk is connected to safety. Yes, and then Raz goes in her mind, and then we see a, a new game mechanic, which is, as Satchin mentioned, sort of the uh, linking different thoughts. So Raz is trying to reconnect the thoughts inside Hollis's head, messes up to the point where she's now all risk. And then her, what was an orderly mind, uh, represented by like a hospital setting, is now merged with a casino. So you go back in and like uh, everything's sort of themed around casino, which is just, which is just brilliant. But then they get to go on a mission, but then uh, Hollis is just like all out of whack and taking taking different risks and taking uh, like ridiculous risks like yeah. we're on the other end of the spectrum now she's gone from like no risk equals safe like let's not take risks and that means we're all going to be safe to like let's take all the risks it doesn't <laughs> matter like whatever <laughs> let's yeah. not even risk assess at all <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it goes from risk connected to safety the thoughts in her mind to like risk connected to money <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah better all go for it <laughs> and, and i love the casino level it's like i love a good casino level in a game so you've got like yeah. Nino Funny 2 and you've got um persona 5 i love the casino level in persona 5 with the um, song Given to Temptation, which was, or, well, Whims of Fate, it's called. But that song was going through my head the whole time when I was playing Psychonauts 2 as well. It, um, I like that in the in the casino as well, like, everything's rigged. Yes, yeah. That's that the weird. point, like, you're, you're unrigging the casino, because at yeah. this point, everything everything's rigged. The house always wins. I thought that was, like, a really, yeah, a really cool thing the way they've done that i just like the um the couple he goes to who are is it some kind of baby auction trying to, uh, they're trying to get a baby yeah they're trying to get a baby and then they just have to make the point that we're very rich <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> just get us a baby we're very yeah, rich very you can rich. have all our money <laughs> so so yeah so you um after raz messes up he has to fix things and that's when they have the conversation about like sort of consent and uh, he gets in trouble for that so yeah i feel that that is a really good thing not just as there's an element of if you're going through some of the things that are depicted in the game that's one thing you can recognize that you can empathize with that but um i wonder if like people who maybe aren't but could also learn from seeing like other characters struggle from that 
and also like wondered Tazzy with your or not you specifically I guess uh, anyone but given the two years that <laughs> uh, the world has collectively been through do you think you look at this game differently now than you would have if you had you know if it had come out in 2019 that's a hard question to kind of put yourself uh, <laughs> in this but I I think for me personally no mainly because I'm already like a really empathetic person and I've been around a lot of people that struggle with like their mental health and like across all the range from like really sort of like regular everyday struggles that everyone has to like really serious things so for me I don't think it really made it I feel like it's pretty much the same but I can totally see how for other people it might it would probably be very different that might not have come across many like forms of mental health issues like themselves or in like their immediate company might see this completely different now than they would have before because it just touches on so many subjects like there was one bit and I kind of want to spoil it but it was like one line and I was like oh my god this line is like this this whole level just makes me think of like one particular friend (laughs) I feel like I'm in that mind Like wretched to them, they're like, oh yeah, that's totally me. Yeah. And like even like bits of myself that like I saw in all like ways that I've dealt with things and even like my own like help that I've had, like some of the techniques that are kind of like touched on like neuro linguistic programming is essentially like a basic version of it shown in this game or representation of it in this game. Yeah, I think I, because I'm trying to remember, I'm, I mean, it came out 15 years ago, so I was different person 15 years ago but I feel like that time plus the sort of everything since the pandemic has given me a, a, a new appreciation for this kind of game and and the topics it it suggests so I'm just like enjoying going through it but uh, I also wanted to get into like some of the like I mentioned like the, the gamey aspects uh, of it and just how it was designed uh, so we talked about like the game the context the setting of the game being you're in people's minds uh, and I just love the sort of the mechanic of like he gets the door and he just <laughs> puts it in, in people's minds and and jumps in. Um, we talked about Hollis and uh, her level, uh, and I think Tazzy and Sachin, you can talk about some of the other levels uh, as well. But what I like uh, about this uh, this game and the way it's designed is I always feel like I know where to go. And early on in the game, when you go to the headquarters, you're it's kind of like a hub. So. You've got uh, your hub headquarters and then there's like outdoor bits that uh, open up later on. And then you have a diary or yeah, diary journal uh, kind of thing that records everything that's happens in terms of missions, powers, upgrades and the map uh, as well. And every time you get a new assignment, you get a new uh, update in the map. And I just appreciate that so much because it just you always felt like you knew where to go. So. How did you find that, especially as you sort of move throughout the game for both of you? How did you find that that way of tracking where you needed to go and what to do? I thought that like it was really useful, especially because if you think about how big Psychonauts 2 is in terms of just like its area, it's actually quite a cramped game. Like it takes place over not a huge space. So you're mm. going back and forth a lot. And so yeah. it would be easy to sort of get lost in, you know, it's not one of these games where you're always doing forward progression going from you know the next place to the next place to the next place like 
Final Fantasy 13 would be my biggest example of like a pure corridor game. <laughs> always go forward. And this is more like hub, as you say. And yeah. so you do need that sort of extra bit of guidance. And it's not only just in the sort of like logbook and quest, but also like very useful camera placement in terms of like get told to do something and then like hint it's that way or what's his name bob Zan- bob zanotto's level is really good for that because it's set on a bunch of islands and you have to sail to the right island and it's very mm. cleverly shown that like you know it, it, it shows you where you're where which island you're meant to get to and then the camera pans back slowly to you so you know exactly what you're doing yeah so they, they they've made a real conscious effort that you're not wasting time just wandering around aimlessly. And again, the sort of like cutting out the backtracking also just really helps with that. If you have to be at a place and the game already knows that you know how to get there, it tends to be the game just puts you there. Yeah, I think it's like really well done. The journal, like the way it breaks down the the missions into like bullet points of like what you've done and it crosses stuff out like this is a game that i could like go away from for ages jump back in and not it wouldn't take me too long to like orientate where i am what i'm doing what's going on and as well like the way it builds on how you get through the game and how it builds on the mechanics like it does it in a way that's like slow but not too slow that you're bored it's just like nice and gradual like it just eases you in like we're now going to introduce like this mechanic and like even down to the enemies like it introduces you to enemies like one at a time so you can learn how to deal with this enemy before it throws multiple at you before (laughs) it throws multiple at you yeah and like every time it introduces a new one it's like that one isolated on its own and then all the ones that you've seen before will Mm then come once you've had a chance to defeat that one on its own and then by the end of it like you're you're full on like having to (laughs) take on like literally every enemy and use all the powers you have and just how it like slowly builds on your powers like through each kind of mind you go in it adds a new power so you're not just like overwhelmed by them all but you still get to enjoy them all and then that you can go back into like a previous mind or previous area because now you've unlocked a power that actually you know allows access to a new collectible or or or, um unlockable thing and i just like that but without feeling like your hand is being held the whole way through it's not hand holding it's just guiding I did find that interesting, like, because you finished Psychonauts 1 15 years ago, let's say, but you finished Psychonauts 1 and you gain all those powers throughout the game. Like, you know, you start with zero powers, then you learn to Psyblast, then you learn to Levitate, etc, etc. And I thought, well, what are they going to do for Psychonauts 2? It takes place a day afterwards. Are they going to strip you of all your powers in some way and you have to get them back? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that work? And no, they actually, you start off with all your powers that you had in Psychonauts 1. It just like sort of cleverly introduces you to them as you play. But there's always that sort of question with sequels is like, well, how do you handle the fact that some people are starting this new and don't know, haven't haven't been through the training process, which is the previous game. And this game sort of just says, no, no, you are that person who finished the first game. You are that powerful. We're not going to take you back to square one like a Metroid game. It's like you have all the powers and you're going to get some more. In fact, that was really cool. Yeah. how they did that. So I wanted to, because Tazzy touched on the, uh, the enemies and, and talk about that, but Thinking of the powers, one of the things that I found 
not frustrating, but I wondered if this would be confusing as the game goes on. So I can ask both of you, because you get four, is it four slots for powers? And yeah. you obviously have more than four powers. So you're having to swap. And it reminded me of a mechanic in Ratchet and Clank where you get a bunch of weapons over the course of the game, only certain slots. So you're constantly having to switch. But for some reason, I found it more, I'm going to go with the word fiddly in this game than I did in the game like Ratchet and Clank. I don't know how you both found like having to swap out powers. And the reason I say it is because, you know, when you play a game, you're used to a certain action. So you used to like, I don't know, right trigger being this and constantly being this. Actually, I think I've just figured it out. That's why it didn't bug me in Ratchet and Clank because the shooting was always the same mechanic. So I'm shooting, I'm always doing this. But in Psychonauts, you can completely swap the what the buttons do for different powers. I think at first I found it a little like when I got like my fifth and sixth power and I was yeah. like, wait, what? But no, like I don't think, it, I think it was fine. And um, with your issue, all I done was always kept powers to certain slots. And that's what I started to do. So there's certain powers sure. that I'd always have in those slots and try and keep them. Like if I need to sort them out, then there was like ones that could, I, I had ones that could, be anywhere and then certain ones that like they all they'll always be in that spot but when you get to like sort of end game you might need four powers that are completely different from the ones you're used to having but i find by that time you're used to swapping them out but i think there's just a point where you first start to get more than four powers that you're getting used to that but like after a while you're just like yeah no this is easy because i think there's so much in the game like even level wise as in like the platforming part of it that you need to swap out your powers to get past certain bits i don't know it just felt really easy but i did have that stage of it being like clunky and awkward because i was like and still there was still a couple of times where i had like the Neuralink. thought i had the Neuralink, and then like forgot that i'd swapped it out for a fight and oh, then like okay. drops to my <laughs> doom <laughs> Yeah, I think like what the game could have done with is maybe like a loadout option. So you can just sort of like say, this is my setup for the platformy bits. This is my setup for the fighting bits. Oh, and, interesting. And, and then just like, you know, flip through them and just like have just have a bit more presets. But otherwise, yeah, I did yeah. find myself like quickly flipping through them in boss fights, especially like towards end game where you've got like several different enemies. I feel like mid fight swapping out like a power. And I was like, I'm so cool. <laughs> felt a bit like um, like a I felt a bit like Matrixy, <laughs> you know, like at the, um, when it, they've just got like tons of weapons in that one scene at the end and they're yeah. just like pulling them all out throw that one out next gun like that's how i, I felt <laughs> i like that i like that that's, that's um again like ratchet and clank where most of the time because you run out of ammo but you have to swap like weapons and you just like you just pause briefly as you bring out the menu swap weapons and you're just like firing left right and center it's a really good feeling again like mechanics um, mechanics make a good uh, make a good game. So I mentioned, yeah. So the enemies, again, tying to the themes of mental health, of empathy and uh, responsibility in in that sense. So we had enemies that reflect that. So we had regrets, we had doubts, we had bad ideas. Um, what else am I, am I missing? Enablers. Oh, the enablers! Oh, enablers. Yes. I love enablers. <laughs> I think the best thing is that like 
the game now has this pop-up explanation on the side so when when yeah, the enemy yeah. first arrives it's like I've, i literally made notes of their their description so senses stamp out thoughts that don't belong the senses. Which, I, which i thought was strange that they'd be against you because um i don't know i think they should be fighting some other thoughts really but then they've got like emotional baggage needs to be sorted yeah. <laughs> regrets weigh you down and some yeah. some other character says by the way they're extremely dangerous <laughs> and um <laughs> Doubt holds you back. back. Mm. Bad ideas can blow up in your face, and enablers supports negative thoughts. And I think um, what is quite cool is that there's often comments. And like another thing about this game is like the script, like is so intricate part of like the game, like everything about the game. But like Raz or the other characters often make comments about f- some of the enemies and things. It's like like enable there's a there's a lot of comments when fighting enablers like your heart's in the right place but (laughs) this is not the time you're not supposed to enable the bad thoughts (laughs) like and the the enemies aren't necessarily like a negative thing they're just in the wrong place or there's too much of them there's a lot of comments like uh, on certain things like it's you're just too big <laughs> you're not supposed to be this big <laughs> like when the senses get beefed up in, yeah in the like, hold on <laughs> or, or like you're stamping out the wrong thoughts like just things are a bit it's not that this thing is a negative always a negative thing like it's just doing its job but unfortunately the mind is not perfect <laughs> and so it's like mistaken you for like something that's not right yeah, that reminded me of this really healthy attitude, basically. Like, it reminded me of Celeste, if you played that, where it's got um, Badaline, which is your representation of all your anxieties and doubts. And she's the enemy throughout most of the game until you learn to work with her, because the moral is, no, your anxiety isn't there to defeat you, it's there to protect you. And if you, you know, work with it cooperatively, then that's the most productive thing. So Celeste handled that really well. And Psychonauts, does have that theme to it and not to i'll give a very vague spoiler for the end but you you fight the sort of embodiment of fight or flight you fight the sort of like uh this this primal urge to destroy and you and and it it tells you you're never gonna get rid of me and raz just responds yeah we all have you that's that's fine but most of us bury you down Yeah, it's again so many ways. Like uh, sort of navigating this uh, this topic is done so well through the game. What what are the flying ones? Oh, uh, they were. Wait, I just. I feel like the the regrets were flying, weren't they? they Yeah, regrets, regrets. Yeah, regrets weigh you down. Yeah, yeah. And they literally carry weights. Weights. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) You with weights. But yeah. then it gets even more complex because you reach the level to do with alcoholism and that character ignores his regrets. And so it's such a great sort of, you know, they extend what it means because this this person is drowning away his sort of bad memories. And, you know, he's 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 not I mean, there's two meanings to that, like the alcohol is washing away his regrets, but also he's not, you know, seeing the alcohol as a problem. And so the regrets, you know, he's he's like, I know I have none. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really clever as well that um, the way they use, like it's, the enemies aren't necessarily enemies. And you see this in certain levels where 
the enemies are actually like doing their job correctly <laughs> in the mind or actually being worked with and not against. And I think that's really good. Um, but there's, it's when they start working together. So like the enabler actually is a support character and attaches itself to other enemies oh. and gives them buffs. <laughs> like you can't, you can't, you can't attack an enemy if an enabler is there. And then there's one, and I can't remember what it represented, but you had to find the heart to yeah. defeat it. Well, it's, it's the bad mood. So the, oh, yeah. the explanation <laughs> is that you have to, bad mood and it, and it comes up as the explanation is bad mood. You have to find the source, which I thought yes. was such a good thing because um, we, you know, we do that in CBT which is the mood itself you have to recognize, but then you have to sort of think about why is this mood coming up? What was I doing at the time or what was I thinking of in order to truly understand what it's about and deal with it? Because a lot of people, A, don't think about what their mood is and just yeah. feel bad, maybe feel physically bad or just feel off, but don't sort of introspect enough to think about what it is. But then B, don't dig deep and work out why that's happening so that they can address it. And so again, this is Psychonauts just sort of like giving this little nudge, like, yeah, you have to get to the bottom of these problems. And so it plays out in gameplay as you have to clairvoyance with the bad mood and see through the bad mood's eyes as to what the cause is going on and then deal with it. Yeah, I thought that was so clever because there's the other sort of like dealing with bad moods and like your negative thoughts is like, you can't, you can't, you've got to be like, you've got to, you can't try and just like happy away your bad mood and try and like, if you're in a really bad mood and like someone's hyper positive towards you, it's just not going to connect. You're not at that level. You're down here and they're up here. Like they're trying to add what you need is actually something near where you're feeling to be able to like latch onto it and I feel like that's you know like using the clairvoyance to see things from clairvoyance rather than trying to look at things from a happy place like that just doesn't make sense yeah it's, it's empathy isn't it clairvoyance basically yeah, yeah. It's, it's connecting it's mirroring all that kind of stuff it's really smart it's funny I was just talking about this today so I was, I was doing a workshop earlier today and uh, I usually bring up inside out uh, to talk through like a uh, story but that's a similar thing in terms of like because uh, joy in that story is the just happy away everything, um, which mm. doesn't work towards the end when they meet the uh, Bing Bong character, where sadness sits down, empathizes. And like you say, Tazzy, it's someone who's closer to the, the negative feeling who can help you out of it rather than someone who's like way out here. Just be happy, be happy. And it just, it just doesn't work. So again, like this game, just like taking those uh, aspects of the conversation and playing them out uh, through gameplay. And one of the things we haven't mentioned yet, it's it's a funny game. It's one of the things hilarious. I really liked about the original, like it's a genuinely funny game and comedy is hard to do. It's actually hard to make people laugh. And this game does that in a in a way, again, with this this subject matter, it just does it in a really, really cool way. Like the, <laughs> the characters are hilarious. Yeah, Tim Schafer, just a great comedy writer in games that's the, mm. i keep on trying to make sure i'm getting his name right it's tim schaefer right tim schaefer yeah, yeah. Well, i've been saying it? tim schaefer so. yeah <laughs> and, and i actually mentioned monkey island um oh last yes. time i was on uh he was coming up yeah another funny game 
but yeah, but he's the comedy genius behind Monkey Island, my my first ever favorite games, really. And yeah, so he's just amazing with his comedy timing and the the game not only has great comedy timing with its lines and stuff, but also like just how swift and slick the editing is you get these really cool like jumps between scenes which are really funny and so on that you know you couldn't do back on a console where you have to load each scene and stuff like that so it's really really slick with that comedy mm. and like, i found myself like wanting to talk to as many like npcs as possible just because i want to know what funny quip line they say and like as you walk past people i was like wait what what did they say like <laughs> i got a bit of it and it was funny i was like not wanting to miss like any cutscene at yeah. all like i'm like gripped because it's just <laughs> so it's so well written and it's so well like i feel like it's this perfect blend of like comedy and seriousness and I think it hits this thing of you asking, like, you know, can this work with a mental health game? And I think the important part is the vulnerable people or the people with mental health issues or with psychological issues or just like or who are going through a hard time are not the butt of the joke. Like it, the joke isn't about them or how they're acting. You know, they might do funny stuff, but it's not, you know, you, you can laugh, you know, you can laugh with them or you can laugh at silly things they do, but you're not laughing at them when they're down. Or yeah. like not laughing at sort of the the ill part of them or the or the um psychologically unwell part of them. You, you're you know they they have they have other aspects to them, and so they're more rounded people. That's the other thing as well is that it's nice that you can laugh at some of these characters for other things because we're not sort of like make you know we're not wrapping them in bubble wall. We're not saying that oh. You know, uh, just because they ha they're going through issues now, we have to be really grave around them. We have to treat them like humans, you know, and see all their sides. Yeah, and then there is the the ongoing uh, thing with Raz. I don't know how ongoing it is, but um, of just him being like the intern and him just being te not quite accepted by the adults and teased by the other the actual in <laughs> interns, and just him wanting to prove himself. And I'm not sure if this was that just goes me. all the way right to the oh, very okay, cool. end. <laughs> <laughs> That's good because I was, I was enjoying that. And I was, this might just be me projecting a little bit, but you know, so at the very beginning when they go into the the headquarters and it's uh, oh, was it a they scan they scan him to see like if he's allowed access and the tone of of the machine is a bit like surprised that he's like is that just me <laughs> yeah just... yeah yeah i'm like i remember feeling like <laughs> it's just the way it's like access granted <laughs> i think it's like the the receptionist as well she's so like uh, condescending towards him and she's like yeah oh, okay yeah i guess you are an intern fair enough yeah. and, and i and that just like hit me so much because i think people have like uh underestimated underestimated me a lot just based on like you know uh, my appearance my size every all these kind of things where you're like, no, no, I do belong here. I am good enough, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. So there is this sort of like imposter syndrome uh, underlying this. Although like it doesn't really hit Raz. I love Raz as a character. He's like endlessly positive. He's yeah, like no. got his stuff together <laughs> and he cares about other people. Like it would have been so easy to make him this sort of fool within the situation. But actually he's like pretty sly and, and knows his stuff. He's very capable. And I think it's like, he he's constantly proving how capable he is while being sort of 
put down in in certain ways and he's not like um he's he's not all knowing but he and it's not and he's not like made in a way that he's like really like stupid it's in a way that he's like wanting to learn so when he asks questions it's not like a it's never like a oh you're you're stupid right yeah, like how do you not know yeah like and it's he's it's learners like he just asks questions and gets answers like there's no real there's nothing wrong with him not knowing stuff and he's not got like an ignorance about him thinking that he knows everything yeah and i feel like a lot of stuff just like rolls off his back like he you know he's able to make fun of himself and you know he gets cracked at a lot and and especially with the other interns who I initially did not like. There was just too many new characters. Too. Yeah. <laughs> too many new characters. I thought, like, how am I going to deal with you? There's so many new characters in this. There's all the interns. There's the psychic six. There's Hollis. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to keep up with all these people? I, I like them towards the end. But, like, he puts up with a lot. And, like, I, I the only scene that comes to mind, there's so many more. Oh, and his family as well. But, like, he gets hit on his the head. Is yeah. Brutal. <laughs> he gets hit on the head with the, by this vine. And, and, and he's like, you're lucky I was wearing a helmet. He just rolls off him like that. Yeah, when his family turns up, I was I, I don't know why I felt that. <laughs> I felt that scene. <laughs> it's, it's so understandable. Like his brother's being really, really mean to him. And like you can go up to his mum and like comment on it. It's like, he's being like mean. Like more mean than usual. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like not... You know, he could be really, really down about or really angry about it. And he's just like a bit concerned about his brother rather than like being super mad at him. He's like, is he all right? <laughs> I feel like we could all learn from Raz. Just <laughs> that it's just endearing personality. He's such a chill dude as well. I just want to say like the cast is really diverse as well with such a wide variety of cast. And like, I think we've got, um, I need to remember their names now. Zanotto and Helmut, like a gay married couple, and Raz is yeah. like, and, and Raz, yeah, no, no, no big deal is made of it. And at one point, Raz is just like, "Why do you think that? You guys are in love." And this is like, okay, Raz is like the chillest dude. I know. <laughs> yeah. There's a, yeah a bunch of characters. There's returning characters from the first game, new characters, uh, as we mentioned. I don't know if anyone has any like standout characters. For me, the Ford Cooler is such a zany <laughs> zany character and i forgot about the bacon loving aspect of that character because so i haven't played the first game since maybe like around the time it first came out so as i'm playing through the game and especially the opening uh, intro that kind of recaps the first game before you start the second it just like triggered a bunch of like memories and like oh yeah so when he went to get the bacon and then it came out of his head. It was like, oh, wow. This all, all just like came back. That's so random. <laughs> and that was I such just a funny that. scene as well. Because like uh, Truman's like, you need to find Ford Cooler. And Raz is like, yeah, okay. I just need a piece of bacon. Bacon, and, yeah. And Truman's <laughs> like, I did not understand what you just said. And I'm going to ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> Although Tazzy, you might under you might know why he doesn't understand that. <laughs> I love that the game also like me as a, as a, first time player of a Psychonauts game I do not feel like I've missed anything like you can go straight into Psychonauts 2 and you'll you'll still have a full experience you're not you're not left out it has a really rounded recap of what's happened so far and then and it doesn't like 
it's not really long or anything. It just kind of um, happens. And then gaps are filled in as you play the game. And so you're never, you don't feel like you can play this and not even know there's a first one. If it didn't have two in its name, I would have, I wouldn't have known the difference. Like, yeah, it's definitely one you can go straight into two and it's fine. Yeah, the intro was really good, like really slick. And I and I just uh, watched through Psychonauts one before I got into two, and then uh, and then I watched the intro. And I was like, wow, this 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 intro like perfectly sums up what I thought the summary of the game was. It's just like, yeah, okay, uh, I am I'm glad I understood it all. But there is a game between the two, Rhombus of Ruin, which I have not checked out, and that tells the story of them trying to rescue Truman, which happens oh. between the two games. Did not know that. Yeah, that's the VR game. That's why I did not play it. In terms of characters that I like, I mean, I think I like a lot of them. Lily, love her. Love her fiery attitude. She's got got so much spunk to her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Especially at the end. She's sort of like there a little bit in the beginning and then she's kind of like absent from most of the game. Mm. And then in the end, she just comes in and... (laughs) she's so strong-headed and i love that about her and then also mila just i love that she's just super zen i know so zen she's like zen goals like i want to be able to meditate like her (laughs) (laughs) but again like there's just i think there's so many uh cool characters like nona she's she's Razz's Nona, she's so lovely. Um, and then even more, like, as you get into the game, just I love the complexity of her existence. Mm. <laughs> Without spoiling anything. <laughs> so complex. But I, I love so many of the characters. I love just all the character designs in this. Um, yeah, and again, like, you're talking about the character's personality. So, like, Mila being quite zen just like flows having a yeah just her character design fits that and oh who was i thinking of uh who's the first person you mentioned lily oh i think lily yeah lily because she's quite she's hard-headed i was gonna say and uh like a character like uh fits that like quite stubborn and then like i mentioned before cooler just like a uh an interesting character and it's an interesting and varied uh character design i quite I, I did quite like uh, Hollis. I feel I identified with Hollis um, uh, a lot. And I, so another mechanic that we touched on is that I can't remember exactly what it's called, but sort of connecting the thoughts and that idea of, I think, because the way you were introduced to it was in her mind. So I, I now associate that with her, but just linking the thoughts and needing to reconnect uh, thoughts, especially around risk, um, risk and reward. Uh, and I just felt that whole like sequence, I like, really identified with the sequence, but also with the the character as well. I mm. like her character design. I'm really upset that they didn't use that like Neuralink mechanic more in the game because it it's it a kind really of one. it's a re- I I love it. Like it's so interesting. And then it it doesn't it kind of like has its moment and then doesn't it, get used more than just for traveling. You don't actually link. Thoughts together yeah, as often. 
it's such a clever concept and they could have done more with it in terms of puzzles even yeah. they could have had more words out there and you have to think okay what goes together for me to get through this room or yeah. something like that because it really but makes you think like you have to actually where what does this connect to it really makes yeah you think. yeah most mo most of um hollis's ones are just like well whatever's in a straight line it's going to make sense and they yeah. could have made it more complex you could have had you could have had like door and open and yeah. uh, and you know and and make a door open that kind of thing i did like the voice lines though when you linked stuff together and especially when it's like the wrong one, the wrong one and yeah. there was like disgust and some Cilantro. yeah <laughs> tastes like soap it just kept coming up and i was like okay <laughs> <laughs> it does make and then there was like a cilantro and money you could, could, could connect those two and then it was like oh yeah we can make money from selling this it's so yeah, good yeah, you mentioned like what characters are like. Uh, you probably got to the stage where they mentioned that there is a mole in the Psychonauts. Oh yeah, yeah. Um... And so like a lot of the game was just me thinking, well, I hope that's not the mole. I like them too much, etc. So <laughs> Mila, uh, you know who we all love, I guess. Uh, I love Mila. She's so chill, but also she looks so badass in the initial casino heist sort of level. Yeah. Uh, in the octopus uh, in the octopus casino where she's in her like sort of black leather and all of a sudden she's like a secret agent. Yeah. <laughs> that was so cool to see her change up like that. But yeah, Mila was the one I was like she she can't be evil. If she turns out to be evil, that's just going to break my heart. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. I don't know if like Nigel you have a prediction of who the mole's going to be, but like Oh yes, yeah, good point. I need to But but Hollis was the other one who I when I immediately when I saw her before I even knew there was a mole, as soon as I saw Hollis I was like yeah, there's something you know because she reminded me of um Zootopia or Zoopolis or whichever it's called. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Where like the, person, the, the the little lamb character who runs the show, oh, she turns out to be evil. I it's always the person that. who runs the place who turns Thanks, out to be evil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. Uh, make that connection, but yeah, I. Uh, who's the other character I was, I was thinking of? Well, I guess Zenato. Uh, oh no, no, sorry, it was. Is <laughs> uh, it uh, Doctor Doctor Lobato? Uh, I felt yeah. sorry for him. <laughs> he was because he. Because like the game starts with like the focus on him because they're trying to get like who he works for. Because <laughs> he he's got he gets the employee of the month. Um, oh, and, that's so sad. <laughs> no, and at the beginning, I was like, wait, wasn't he the bad guy? Why did he give an employee of the month? And it's like, oh, it's all like a figment. I was like, oh man, poor guy. He's just he's just a pawn and he's just being used and he has no idea. Yeah, they really make you... I mean, he's the main bad guy of Psychonauts because 1. Yeah. And, suddenly, yeah. and suddenly they made him so endearing and so sort of like pathetic. And sort of like you feel bad for him all of a sudden. And like he's not hes not only like... You know, they, they establish he's scared. Like, mm. you know, he's not going to tell you yeah, who he's working yeah, for yeah. because he's scared for his yeah. life. And then suddenly he's the victim. It's, it's quite amazing how they turn him around a bit. Mm. It is. So and then the other thing I always like to mention when we talk about uh stories is like themes the messages i think this is kind of you know is it almost impossible to talk about this game without talking about the themes so we kind of we kind of covered it but just to kind of recap that that idea of uh mental health and i think like for me again considering the sort of since the pandemic like life since the pandemic and the idea of empathy has really come into my mind in terms of you you don't know what other people are going through uh, and this is a game where you go into other people's minds and you're kind of seeing what they are like literally seeing what they are dealing with i think that lesson that message coming out of it is such an important one 
but uh, mm. I don't know if anything else like stood out to you you both how complex people are like this is about different people and different experiences and how those can affect everyone differently like and that you don't know what's gone on in people's past and I think like Hollis is a good early example of that where we see that she was actually going to be a doctor and then like went through stuff there and then ended up at the psychonauts and that those things um, have shaped certain things about her and why she behaves in certain ways and why she is worried and why she is concerned about safety and just like you can't assume like you know everything about someone and like why they do their thing do what they do like everyone has a reason and everyone has a past as well um i think is one of the thing or a couple of the things that it touches on really well how about you searching yeah no i mean it's a combination of what you both said is like everyone has a story and you know you don't know what's going on in people's heads and it's and i think that is genuinely the theme of this psychonauts game it's kind of making up for what it did in the first game which is basically telling you that everyone's going through something and in fact you know you can take that a bit further and say like it doesn't matter who you are even the psychic six even this group of superheroes they're going through stuff you know everyone's got the burdens and their traumas and it, and it affects them and in just in terms of the empathy what it you know what raz is doing you don't need to be a psychonaut to do it you know you just need to talk to people and and you know and and what you know find out what you know what what things are like from their perspective and so you know it really teaches you to reach out talk to people see what they're going through and just be a be a good friend to people like raz is Mm, I think that's so important, like, talk to people. <laughs> I feel like we live in a day and age as well. I feel like it's been, like, amplified for some people. Where you just get so used to watching people's lives that you forget to actually communicate with them and find out really what's going on. Because even if someone, like, completely shows, like, their whole entire, every second of their life on online, there's still, without talking to someone, there's still no way of knowing and understanding what's going on with them so like just talk to people find out ask questions mm. be a be a friend and, and i just take the inverse of that as well is that if you're going through something you know if you're the person who's going through something i think there's a lot to learn from zelotto's level who believes that nobody cares about him mm. and you reach the end and someone says you know i don't like you i don't uh whatever and he just suddenly like clicks he goes wait he'd never say that and yeah just just remember people care about you whatever you think just think about it a bit more realize that people are invested in you and want you to be happy and so don't be afraid to reach out to people yeah and like think about like have they ever actually said that <laughs> <laughs> So true. I think we're all guilty yeah. of doing that. Yeah, yeah. I uh, hold my hands up to that. <laughs> so yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, it's just, I need to, I need to go play this game. Um, <laughs> as we mentioned at the beginning, we are having our uh, monthly poll this month. Speaking of video games, we are talking about Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Whether that is 
good for video games just in general and uh we've got a podcast episode uh roundtable coming up where i feel we're going to be talking a lot uh, about that and all the all the acquisitions that are just flying around the um, acquisitions everywhere every, yeah. <laughs> uh, everywhere we're going to be like doing our best to try and connect them what does it all mean um so join us for that we have our next gamepad online event on saturday the 9th of april so tickets are free as always and we will be talking a bit more about that we're putting the event together along with some other bits but we're going to be bringing game streaming in our friendly fire competition interviews uh, working on a panel that we're gonna uh, have there so if you'd like to take part in the friendly fire you can submit a team uh, jump in our discord we'll find a link for that i'll just go to gamepad.events and um, the links will be there and then, yeah, you can take part in our accessible, inclusive, friendly competition where you don't have to be good, but you can get good. And Sachin is, I was just, I was, I, was, <laughs> I said, you don't have to be good. You don't have <laughs> to be good, help but it as, helps if it you're helps. good. <laughs> <laughs> and you can come in and get better as Sachin demonstrated um, after multiple, <laughs> multiple events. Um, and we have also launched our Do I Look Like a Gamer? video game representation campaign so after many yeah many years yeah uh, of uh, being in limbo our campaign to promote diversity and inclusion in the video games industry so we have just about highlighted and showcased each of the 40 people uh, in our campaign but there will be more opportunities for everyone to get involved because the idea is to start a conversation and challenge the stereotype around the word gamer not just who can take part in playing games but also who can be part in producing games especially for future generations of underrepresented uh, talent making sure they know that this is a place for them as well mm -hmm. so we're going to be uh, doing that over the spring of summer uh, so definitely stay tuned because we're putting those events in place uh, pulling people together and then we'll be ready for announcements in the coming uh, weeks and months and our podcast so this is a special live stream story club edition of the podcast, our regular podcast feed. Uh, we get episodes that come out every week. So on Thursdays, we've got an episode today. We have a creator interview with Feth Silvers, who is a comic creator from, I want to say Leeds. I'm pretty sure it's Leeds, up north. Anyway, outside of the M25, uh, if you're in London. Uh, so, and then next week, we're going to be doing our video game uh, roundtable. Um, and then for anyone who... Once you hear this conversation again, this will go. Uh, the audio of this will go in our podcast feed as well. So make sure you check that out. Uh, I think before we wrap, we want to make sure we get to know a bit more about uh, our guest, Sachin. Sachin, do you want to tell us a bit more about what you do and what you do with Game in the Mind and if there's any projects you've got coming up? First of all, I want to take back that it helps if you're good comment. That was very toxic. It, <laughs> you, you really don't have to be good. I'm genuinely not that great at games. And I still look like a gamer. So <laughs> got the look like a gamer picture in as well. Anyway, uh, yeah, Game in the Mind is a mental health charity, which I'm a trustee of. I'm also in my day job as a psychiatrist. And we promote mental health, mental health uh, awareness and fight mental health stigma in the gaming community and we just do that through using gamer language and speaking on gamer terms that kind of thing and try to reach people that um, other people can't reach uh, most recently last weekend we uh, ran a 
chill out room at the Yorkshire Games Festival, which was really validating because people found it, used it, needed it um, for a variety of reasons. We got people coming in who were stressed or tired or, you know, told us, you know, I have autism, I, you know, struggle with or I am autistic um, and I struggle with um, too much noise. We, you know, got to use our sort of like uh, sensory reducing equipment such as headphones, things like that. So it was really cool. Uh, And so it's great to be out in the gaming community helping with that. We also launched our, I mentioned our new booklet on social anxiety, which talks about what it is and what to do about it in gamer terms. So like I say, we mentioned, you know, you run out of options or, or thinking about our thoughts as glitches and how we can patch them, things like that. And so, yeah, um, looking forward to doing more of that in the future. If you want to check us out, we're always talking about the interaction between mental health and games at our website, gamingthemind.org, on our Twitter, at GamingTheMind. Thank you. That was so good. It's so important to, like, talk to people in a language that connects with them to help someone, like, understand something, right? So make sure you do go and follow Gaming the Mind and check some of their stuff out. Not just for you, but, like, you might have friends or family that could find what they do useful. And so even if you're thinking, oh, I'm not struggling with anything, be good to check in. And also, maintenance (laughs) is very important. Like, so underrated. Um, And some of the stuff over on Gaming the Mind can really help with that as well. And like yeah. Sakuma tells us, everyone's going through something. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, thank you. Um, you know, what? I just I was looking at my notes and I'm like, we're going to come back with me and Tazzy to wrap up. But I've already kind of like touched on everything. I think I've, <laughs> uh, I've given away all the spoilers. But what I will say is, first of all, thank you, Sachin, for uh, for joining us and giving us like uh, uh, actual knowledge in terms of the mental health side of things uh, on top of the gaming knowledge for this particular game. Uh, play the game that always helps I'm the encyclopedia of psychonauts today uh, <laughs> and Antazi uh, got, got, got put it in at the last minute too. last minute like <laughs> squeezed it <laughs> Uh, amazing record of like <laughs> last minute completions uh, I love it um, I will continue playing the game <laughs> um, because it just time defeated me but um, definitely enjoying it so uh, as I mentioned before we have the podcast uh, we have the gamepad event. We have the campaign. Uh, follow us here on Twitch. The other thing uh, we'll mention before we wrap is we make comics. So uh, I write comics. We, uh, my Mada, produce uh, manga style comics in our own universe. Uh, and I've started a new Twitch live stream, which is casual conversations with comic creators. So every month, I'm going to be looking to have a different conversation with a different comic creator about their work, about the process behind making their work. So to give um, some appreciation for the people, the human beings who are making the art uh, that uh, we all enjoy. So yeah, make sure you're following us on Twitch so you can catch that um, in a few couple of weeks. I need to sort out the next one, so I'm going to do that. But yeah, that has been our Story Club uh, live stream. We'll be doing more of these over the year, looking at comics, manga, looking at video games. Stay tuned to the podcast. We've got more episodes coming up, including creator interview, yeah, creator interviews, 
video game discussions, and deep dives into stories across pop culture. Our email address is feedback at mymatter.com. And uh, you can also check out the website to listen and subscribe to future episodes, which is mymatter.com forward slash story x story. So that has been our stream. Until next time, stay tuned, stay safe, and uh, yeah, just get on this uh, Psychonauts train because it's uh, you'll learn something. So uh, we'll see you all later. <laughs>